0: G'day everyone, and welcome to a Place to Call Home podcast. On today's episode, I chat to Tate Van Well. Now, Tate is a man who wears many hats. He's a rodeo announcer, he also runs a fridgy business in Charters Towers, and also owns a block just outside of town as well. This is a great story for anyone who wants to hear the bit of the city to country journey. Tate grew up in Townsville on the coast, and now, like I said, he owns a little block just outside of Charters Towers. First off, I do want to apologise because the sound quality is not as good as some other episodes. We were sitting on Tate's veranda and unfortunately you can hear a bit of the wind blowing in and out throughout the episode. But apart from that, this is an absolute cracker of an episode and one I really enjoyed. Tate is someone who is wise way beyond his years and it was really interesting hearing a lot of his side and I suppose his thoughts along this journey and a bit of the paradigm shifts around what is enough and chasing that dream of being a landowner. So like always, if you do enjoy the episode, please share it with friends and family. And if you got five minutes, leave us a review. It greatly helps the podcast. Before I do jump into the episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to this week's podcast partner, NQ Weed Control. The team have jumped on board and helped support the podcast, and I greatly appreciate it. So, if you're currently experiencing loss in productivity in your grazing country, be sure to get in contact with the team from NQ Weed Control. Now, enjoy the podcast. Tate, thank you very much for jumping on the Place to Call Home podcast. Mate, before we get too far ahead, I'd like to hit everyone up from the very start. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background, and what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah, Sam, thanks very much for having me. Um, My name's Tate Van Well. Uh, I live in Charters Towers, I'm 26 years old and um, running a small air conditioning refrigeration business here in the Towers, have um, a bit of a block of my own and a few cows and horses and chase a bit of rodeo on the weekends and that, yeah, keep pretty busy.
0: Mate, I thought it was a joke. It, 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 the bit of the joke I had running around my head is like, I've already recorded one voice
1: in North, Cody, Cody Rogers. <laughs> yeah. I think you yeah. guys are direct uh, yeah. competitors
0: at the moment, yeah. I'd say, in yeah. the announcer game. Is that right? Could we you, um, yeah.
1: No, not competitors. <laughs> it, announcers are few and far between, so we have to buddy up, I think. But um, we haven't been able to do a show yet. Uh, together, Cody and I. So I'm sort of looking forward to lining up our busy schedules and trying to trying to do a show together. It can be pretty fun, yeah.
0: Mate, what happens there? It's The two voices of the North at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to go clash away? of the North, yeah, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Clash, <laughs> clash of the
1: voices. No, I'd like to do one of those shows. You know, sort of Norman or one of those bush shows where you can have a few tins in the arena, and yeah. yeah, that that's when um the real the real good talking sort of comes out, and I think the crowds really enjoy that side of things. Yeah.
0: Because I've already hit to get that because you you in just that introduction, you didn't actually mention your side hustle. No, is, yeah. Which, which is the, what is it, the
1: full noise? Full noise, sound and production, yeah. So we do all all the sound production and announcing services. At, I like to say rural events because I don't want to just go into rodeo. I'd like to expand that and be open to expanding it. So rural events but with a primary focus on rodeo just because that's my hobby, existing hobby and sort of we're trying to. Continue work our way into making that more of a uh, self sufficient hobby, should we say? You know, a bit more <laughs> better funded than that. and that. Obviously, horses and rodeo hobbies and traveling down the roads expensive. And if we can make a little bit back and get to do our hobby for free, then it all works out pretty good, I think. Yeah,
0: I think it, it's an issue story, your story, where you've, you know, you've gone ahead, you've competed in rodeos, you've done well, you've because you've actually won an Australian title. Yeah, you? yeah, and in two thousand
1: nineteen. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So like. like you hear that and then actually going back to your start what what did you what was your beginning like what was the early Tate up to in his childhood?
1: Banging around the suburbia of Townsville actually (laughs) far cry from where we are here today Um, yeah just just very very happy mum and dad and I've got one older sister and um, we grew up in Townsville just in a you know little quiet street there and Loved it. But it was back in the time where kids were still banging around the streets till dark and then your mum and dad would holler out the front and you'd come running home, sort of deal, for tea. So we were riding bikes through the bush and all that. It wasn't as contained as it probably is nowadays. So although we lived in town, we'd spent most of Saturday and Sunday on our bikes building cubbies and that in a bush, which was a couple hundred metres up the road. So um, we got to do that and... I suppose also apart from that, mum and dad had a, uh, what we called the hut, which was up near Paluma, in between Paluma and Hidden Valley, um, just a little north of Townsville. And that was an acre block on a mining perpetual lease in the middle of a working cattle property for for what it started out as. And then it got sold to the Australian Wildlife Conservancy. So it was this little shack thing and a timber pole home and, you know, um, built by flitches and offcuts and that of the of timber milling and that that was you know like people would pay hundreds of dollars now to go to a bush esca- escape like that and um, we got to go up there every weekend so it was you know tonka trucks in the dirt and but it was never any animals per se they horses and cattle had come up but we didn't know anything about them we sort of we'd welcome them in sort of but um never had much to do with it like that and um So I suppose, yeah, we we lived this funny bush, but not not animals or or cattle or anything like that. Um, Bush, but not rural lifestyle, I suppose. And then went back to town and just did my schooling in town and um, loved it. Went to Ryan Catholic College there from preschool to year twelve, which was um, which was fantastic. Huge school, plenty of opportunities, and and a great diversity in what we were able to do—sport or academic or whatever we sort of mum and dad always pushed us to be pretty exposed to as much as we could. Um,
0: So that definitely, definitely like you can see where that love of the bush comes from there, those growing up like you, like you just said, but where, I suppose, a bit of love of the agriculture going towards the rodeo, how did you actually get into that coming from the city and doing that living on Townsville, which is right on the coast? Where'd that come from?
1: I think as trivial as it is, it probably came from country music. So you know they're talking about all this stuff that I had no idea about and mum and my uncle and that was and dad was sort of into it and I went oh this is you know like the sound of it but went my family sort of listened to country music and that sort of thing and I, I sort of thought you know they're talking about all these things I had no idea about I thought well let's go check it out and um, one of my I call him my uncle he's actually my second cousin had a property out here just south of Towers a little bit and so I sort of Got put in touch because we're from a, quite a large family, so I saw this this bloke at Christmas time. But there was about forty people at this Christmas party every year, and I didn't really know who was who. Anyway, went out, got introduced to him, and, and asked him, you know, would I be able to come out and just interested to learn, sort of, just wanted to know a bit more. And and he was great, and um, yeah, him and his wife Tracine. So that's Clement Tracine Archer out here. They sort of they used to only. Archer's Auto Parts here in town, so fairly well known. and They had a little place, 4,000 acres down the Belliando Road, and just started going out. I used to catch the rocket run up from Townsville, actually, jump in with the <laughs> freight truck. She'd drive me out here, drop me off at the depot, and then my uncle or my cousin would um, pick me up and we'd go out and start it as weekends. And then mum would sort of bring me up for a muster or two and we'd trot around and sort of try and keep up with the rest of the crew. and. And then that turned into school holidays, and I'd go out for two weeks at a time. And and then my peas I was sort of when I got my license, I was up here almost every weekend, every every minute I could when I wasn't playing footy and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be up here and wanted to learn to ride a horse and a motorbike and learn more about cows and why we're putting lick out and, and what it all means and sort of piece it together. And and that was a brilliant start because. Um, Clum was a bit older then and he was sort of semi-retired-ish I suppose on that place so he had the time to teach me he, he wasn't trying to get $250 a day out of me or yeah. something it was just about it was purely really about me learning which was which was fantastic so That's I owe awesome. a lot of the start to that and, and a good steady start too but you get on all those station horses and you sort of think I got to the point where I could sort of keep up with the horse sort of deal and thought oh there's got to be something a bit faster out there so um, <laughs> I got in touch with Mark Gibb here in the towers who was recommended to me as a bit of a rodeo person and sort of said well I'd like to learn a bit get on some horses that do something you know, a bit more fast paced than your day-to-day um station work I suppose and, and then yeah we started out steer us and obviously Gibbo was very handy steer wrestler and and roper and all that so they had a sort of facility that lended itself to that sort of thing and um yeah first time I got on I got on a rodeo Also, was like a bloody 44 gallon drum of dynamite as far, compared to that horse I was riding <laughs> out at Mustard and so um that was pretty interesting and and just started going with the boys here you know Jace Land and and Riley Gibb and that and and those fellas brought me into a whole new community I suppose and just started traveling around North Queensland and got a bit better and chase the improvement side of things, I think. And
0: Did you ever did you ever go out and work on stations? Like have you ever, like you mentioned there that you worked on your uncle's, your cousin's block there. Did you ever go out and work on some stations before
1: starting yeah. the trade? Yeah, um, did some work up in Croydon on my, so my cousin, his daughter, so my third cousin sort of deal. She um, was on a place up in just north of Croydon there, so I did a couple of stints up there. Um, did a stint through, made some connections through them and went out to Cowan Downs just north of Cloncurry there. And, um, yeah, loved it. But mum and dad were big. Mum was a big uni person and dad was a big trade person. So there was a big drive for me. That was in year 12. I did a couple of stints up there during school holidays, just sort of got myself out there. and, And there was a big push, though, to come back. And get something on paper and then they didn't care. Yep. And I I probably really respect and am very grateful for that decision mm. because if I'd have gone out the first year after school, I don't I think I would back. have come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and not to say that's that's a bad thing, but you know, the way things have worked out, I've got a brilliant trade behind me and yep. I'm I'm very appreciative that I do have that. Either to fall back on or as I am now, working pretty hard in the industry and and reaping the rewards from that, so um, as much as I would have liked that bit of you know station experience, I think it's fairly rare that people do twelve months and then come back to to their their job in town and and don't have a calling to go back out there, so um
0: it's a hard bug to get rid of once you once you do it it'd be yeah. the same as it's like we doing it's like anything you're passionate about. Yeah. Like if you are passionate about agriculture or being on the land, and you go out and work on these stations, it's it's pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, hard to move off unless you get to that point where you want to start stepping up. But
1: I think so. And yeah. and the results are so tangible on the land. You know, you 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 invest in a breeding program or you buy a bull, and th- and that's a cost of your operation. But then that bull puts out all the progeny, and, and in nine months' time, you see them popping on the ground like. That, to me, is what I think a lot of people get a, a big kick out of, is seeing it, seeing that yeah. process. Yeah, and it's, you can see it right there. You know, it's physical. So that's, I, I think that's the brilliant part of it, yeah.
0: So when you're back in charters here, you, you did your trade? You did your Fridgie trade, is that right? Or where did you do your trade at? Yeah, I
1: did three and a half years in Townsville and then shifted out here, got an opportunity to work for the local fridgy mob here. Um, did 18 months there, finished off my apprenticeship, did another 12 months as a tradesman. Loved it. Made a lot of connections. Still rodeo on the whole time. Um, I just, I probably, I've always had a bit of a flair for the business side of things. You know, like often people say, I can sell ice to an Eskimo just on marketplace. Like I've tortured Facebook Marketplace with all bits and bobs, some not worth selling, but we've tried and we've succeeded at it. So, you know, um, love the interaction and and the business interaction. Yeah, the process of buying and selling and trading things and sort of working your way up and it was i was doing all the motions but not getting any real fulfillment out of the transaction you know like as a tradesperson, you're only the bloke who rocks up on site you know none of the background you don't know the people and i wanted to i wanted that connection you know take the call attend the job find a resolution and fix it and bill it out for the client and you get this happy um happy return of of service and that's I think what pushed me to go to it. I was doing a lot of stuff after work like cashies and that and it got to the point where I was sort of I said oh I think I could probably do this full time you know I think I can actually make a wage out of this and that point was was probably um highlighted it was December or something, so our busiest part of, of the year. And I was doing a job. I was working till sort of 9 o'clock every night after work, so doing a full day at work, organising gear during the day and then working till 9 after night. No- and I just thought, I'm not doing anything at home. How can I? And the next step was sort of probably to do it during Gosh, daylight yeah. hours, yeah. yeah. So I yeah. Um, pulled up there and then I actually did a bit of a stint mustering. This sort of came online, a friend of a friend, had um, a ringer pull out on him or something a couple of days before they were supposed to start their round and I went up there and I don't think I was much help of <laughs> my skills are not probably um, as great as what they would have liked but anyway I didn't fall off the motorbike too many times and we got the job done but um yeah so I did two weeks up there and I, I sort of probably that cemented to me that I didn't want to go full-time onto the land like yep. I I liked it but Sitting on a motorbike chasing cows for two weeks wasn't setting me on fire. I like it as a little thing to do a little bit every now and again, but I probably wanted to come back and do something, you know, fridgy or trade wise that I could sort of get stuck into and do that on the side, keep that as a hobby.
0: I think that's I think you touched on a pretty important point there. I want to like you know try and get across, and that's why it's good to chat to people like you. And there's, there's a few others that I've chatted to along these lines where it's okay. Yeah. to do that like so I think some people's expectation is like you either got to be full time off the land full time on the land and, and last couple of years I think COVID's really shifted that process of actually country lifestyle living in the bush is bloody good yeah uh, it's a great way to grow up great yeah. way to raise kids yeah and you can these days have the best of both worlds yeah um, it's just making sure that you're happy with that and also uh, that outside pressure of being like it's okay like you know some people might might, might see that and be like, oh, why didn't he just chase it? Why didn't he just go and try and build a bit yeah. of her and go ahead? But you're happy with where you're doing and that's and that's that's awesome to see because honestly, like, that's
1: enough, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose on that point, it's probably a little bit controversial for your audience because a lot of them will be on the land, but I definitely wanted income diversity. Yeah. And to me, having external factors, I mean – Hats off to graziers and farmers who put all their eggs in a basket that relies on the weather, which you've got no no control over, and for stock people, a stock market that they've got absolutely no control over either. Your whole profit comes from two factors that you've got no control over. Now, to me, that didn't sit well with me. I wasn't prepared to rest all my eggs in a basket that had external factors that could, that could really significantly um, affect the profit that I made in the year. So I suppose I love the lifestyle of it and I love doing the activities as a bit of a side thing, but I always needed as a bit of probably security for myself to have that off-farm, if we can put that in inverted commas, yeah. income. And that's why I think that the business worked well and as the business grew and I made some reasonable money, I was able to start investing a little bit more and that's how this place came about. Um, so touching on that, touching
0: on this block here that we're at we're at the moment, How'd, you said you started investing. Where you, you kicked off the business there? You're obviously renting a block in town or something like that during that. Where were you doing anything with the money you're making during your apprenticeship or when you started the business? Were you investing, real estate investing, anything like that to grow an asset?
1: Just just squirrelling money away. Yep. My, my auntie has a good little saying. It's um, many a mickle does a muckle make. You know, and and that means every little bit. It doesn't matter how small it may be. Every little bit ca- counts. So I'll give you an example. Actually, when I was an apprentice, used to work on some big construction sites, and if anyone's been there, you know, there's you know the, the builders drop screws, and this bloke drops mm. you know knock-ins or diner bolts. They used to call me Bowbird because I'd rip around with a little bucket and pick up all the screws and the diner bolts. And that's what's, and then I put them all in bits of boxes at home. So when I was doing cashies after work, I wasn't buying screws, and you know, and to me, from an early age, that sort of came in like if I don't have to buy a screws to do the job when I'm making money after work, well then, that that's more profit for me, you know. So I suppose every little bit from very young, I knew that every little bit counted. So just threw money away. Always had, um, as soon as payday came in, I had a an account drafted off where just a bit like um, the barefoot investor sort of style. Mum helped me with that. She has a finance background um, and she sort of said, well, you know, this is your bills account, throw everything, draft it off that and then there's your spending. So I always had a bit of savings coming through and then trading a few vehicles here and there, sort of, I'd drive this thing till it was, didn't suit me anymore and sell it and then the next thing. So I was building a little bit more and, and, and that sort of thing. And and um, just there was no no major shakes, just just putting money away, I think, just working, turning up every day, doing a good job, picking up overtime wherever we could and and just putting it really away into that, yeah.
0: How did you go about uh, getting the finance and the process of buying this block? Did you go and see a mortgage broker or did you just go straight in the bank? or
1: Yeah. How
0: did you I, go about it?
1: I uh, got recommended onto a mortgage broker, absolutely brilliant first time it's very um there's a lot of things that i think a lot of people don't understand about purchasing property and all that and she really made it very easy first time so i had a lot of people help me my auntie and my mum, and they've been involved in business and sort of oh what's this and spoke to a lot of people just got a little bit info from everyone oh would you would you buy a little two-bedroom place in town first and live in that or would you would you go and buy the 50 acre block out just outside what you want or mm. what you need? And wanted to gauge that anyway, decided that, cause I had a couple of horses by that time. So I really needed somewhere to put them and um, it just naturally came to the conclusion that I needed a block and that's what I wanted. So got, just had that bit of money there. And then it was at the time where they were doing those government incentives for the first first home buyers and that sort of thing. Yeah. So they covered your stamp duty, which was a significant good, saving. Yeah. And I'm just um, just trying to think, but lender's mortgage insurance, which got you from the 80, 80% and, and lent up to 95%, I'm not sure whether that was covered under that. It, I might have gone under one of those schemes or something, but the banks were very limited about how much they because this was obviously a bare block. No power, no water. Uh, except an unequipped bore and no, no accommodation or anything. So they were pretty – it was a pretty risky thing for to, to lend me money. Young, single bloke, um, good income but, you know, only one wage, mm. buying a 50-acre block with nothing on it. So they were sort of going, well, what are you going to do here, mate? So I just, I just had enough that I was able to do that deposit and I, I reckon – I did have to borrow, I think I put 20% in, so I didn't have to go with the lender's um, mortgage insurance, which was a pretty good saving, really. Um, if I can sort of stress as as little of that style of thing that you can in, incorporate into a big purchase would be pretty good because that does that will bring up the total cost a fair bit. Um, had that mortgage broker... Yeah, did a, did a great job and end up getting the money and and bought this place and it was a sort of slow process. I wasn't living here at the time, obviously th- there was nothing here and just over time have have um, yeah put put a bit on here and built put a donger on here as a bit of a interim step to something bigger, either moving a house or building a house here and and um, moving forward. But see, I don't know whether this is. This is the end, or whether it's a stepping stone to something bigger, it's great for now. But I'm gonna soon outgrow it, and so overcapitalizing in this block might mean that it'll hinder your process later. Yeah, yeah, or if I tie up all my cash flow into here, all my capital into here, then does that leave much for down the track? And we know that property is not cheap these days, so as much as we can have on hand would be good, but. Yeah, I mean that's that'll be an opportunity that comes up in the future, and it's not going to be. I mean, it's not going to be twenty thousand acres. I'm not going to afford that for a while. So it's only going to be a little block, but something a bit bigger than here, and sort of then can increase carrying capacity and all mm. that sort of stuff, which I'm I'm interested in doing. Yeah.
0: If you are currently experiencing a loss of productivity of your grazing land due to pest and weeds such as prickly acacia or tiny apple get in touch with the team from NQ weed control to discuss a tailored solution for your property servicing the North Queensland area they provide an efficient and effective method of weed control that won't break the bank find them on Facebook or call Andy on 0474 352 213 looking ahead and touching on that what's next like are you looking to continue to grow the friggy business? Are you looking to pick up the full noise production? Are you look, what What's next in uh, Tate's life? It's coming up.
1: I'm, I'm certainly, I'm just in the process, so it's gone unconditional um, yesterday, but I bought a little block in town, like a shed and, a, and an office um, shop front sort of deal in town, which is going to, I think that's really going to push us forward in terms of a professional front, but also having that shed is going to be fantastic. We can, we do a lot of, automotive, air conditioning sort of stuff in terms of rooftop air cons and refrigeration in caravans and and motorhomes. And at the moment we're working out in the sun, yeah, in the dirt, having undercover, concrete floor, all that sort of stuff is going to be really good and then obviously the office space would be good as well. But um, skilled labour is a bit hard to come by at the moment. The next natural step would be to get another set of hands. Those set of hands are... Um, turning out to be a bit harder to find than i thought so um how many people have you got currently in the team i've got an apprentice who's just about to go third year in the next couple of uh, months and then i've got an office lady who works um yeah for me as well which is fantastic and i think we're very productive for what we can do the next and we've got a great number of clients and and the volume of work that we pump out I think I'm pretty proud of that number but um, the next step is to churn that work out probably the ter- uh, cut our turnaround times down a bit I suppose so get to jobs faster and get them over and that needs a second person to be going because I'm going away all the time with full noise and that sort yep. of thing which this year I sort of did a bit of a draft up I think we for our first year so I bought that gear in February mm. and just Threw it out there to a couple of committees. Hey, because I've been announcing for a couple of years. Just got a bit um, a bit a bit tired of working with with subpar systems and that sort of thing, where you'd do 10 hours announcing and you might have two bell horn speakers pumping out music yeah. and 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 bull ride announcing. And you'd go up to the bar and they'd pat you on the back and say, oh great job, mate, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was great, um, we just couldn't hear you all day. Yeah. And you, you've been there for 10 hours and you're like, oh, geez. So that was the big drive for that was I want to put a professional front on, turn up, when we say we're going to turn up, yeah, we might charge a bit more, but they know the product that we're going to deliver and and make it better quality of sound so I can be heard.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, um, like, you know, most of my most of my stuff's always been bush radios and stuff like that, yeah. that you go along or, or muck around with. But like I don't think people could really understand unless you're there at a bush radio and it's coming out of those old Pokemon <laughs> speakers. <laughs> yeah. And the difference, like I saw you the other day and he in here on and there, do your thing and it was so much better. Yeah. The quality, the sound and just the interaction from the crowd because everyone can hear you, everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. Especially when you have people that don't know the rodeo scene. They don't know what's happening and, and at least they can hear you and you're explaining why why that happened. yeah, why you know why why the points were scored that way or why certain things go on in the shoots like they don't know that. yeah, they, like a lot of people don't have that firsthand experience. so it's it's so important to be able to just put it out there to a crowd and especially agritourism and stuff like in rural tourism, like you need to be able to keep them coming back. So if people get invested like they do when they hear it, when they can actually know what's going on, They'll want to come back because they're like, oh, next time I can tell old Joe Blow, well, that's why he got scored that because that happened. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: And that event was sensational. I didn't have very high hopes for it driving out, though. I thought, I actually said to my girlfriend Maggie, who, who works the sound desk, and that, I said, oh, I think this will just be a bit of a grazier show, you yeah. know, like a bit of a bull ride. And and we turned up, and I think there was sort of 15 or 1,500 people, I think or, I something. Said 15, people yeah, or something. 1,700 people. Yeah, something. And that crowd was sensational, and, and going back to what you said, I agree with you. Yeah, ha- that interaction needs to happen if the and can only happen if they are understanding what you're saying when you're saying it. Because I'm, you know, having little dry jokes and that sort of thing with them, and if if they can't pick up on what I'm saying, it all falls flat, you know. So that that is really important, and that's sort of what I'm trying to bring to rodeos is more interaction back at the audience. Half the time, I won't even be looking at the shoots or the timed event end. I'll be actually facing the crowd, addressing them mm. because they're sort of who I'm talking to, you know, and, and they're the people that I want to know that I appreciate them being there and supporting these competitors because without the spectators, there is no show. So, yeah, you're right. That that sound quality is, is good. And I think out of the... Uh looked at the other day, 25 or 30 shows we've done this year I'm going to do a, a big send out of you know a bit of a review and good things not so good things and that but we haven't had too much negative feedback so far and I think that's probably pretty good I'd like to give people the chance to do that but yeah, I think people are pretty happy with what we've done and I want to keep growing that as well because I didn't it wasn't set out to be um, a big money-making adventure it was just to sort of have some fun and uh, put out some really good music and turn it up a bit a bit louder than probably... It's not bad
0: mixing a bit of a hobby, it actually <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bit, bit of a passion with, passion yeah. with a bit of money-making always makes things a bit well, easier. Well,
1: it's, it's yeah, it's much more lucrative than I sort of thought it would be. So It yeah. is
0: important too. I think any of these type of things are important when it comes to showcasing agriculture and showcasing rural life. Like, you know, there was such a period there where... You know, you go to a camp draft and all there'd be was the people that were competing. You'd go to some of those bush rodeos or rodeos and all it would be with the people competing. And, like, it's great fun. Like, I loved it. Everyone yeah. loved doing it. Yeah. But you got to think of the people on the other side of the fence because if you want those things to continue, what makes your money is these rural events is the bar. Is the takings, yeah. is the people rocking up into town. Like if you want to get a town behind your event, you want people to come to town and spend the money. Yeah. And to do that it, it comes into how you're showcasing it. And it's all it's all together and it also showcases the rural lifestyle and you know, it really puts on that the positive stories that agriculture and, and rural Australia are about. So
1: I I agree with you and just cutting back to one of the things you said earlier, post sort of COVID and that sort of thing, I think. Not only are people seeking the rural lifestyle, but they're seeking rural events. Yeah. They they like yeah. the they like the pace of it. They like how genuine they are. You know, when announcers out there, he's talking to you in the crowd. You know, and it's funny since we've sort of come back and resumed normal life. I've never seen so many blundstones <laughs> at a rodeo <laughs> because they're coming from out of town and um and and into these small towns and and putting the akuba on and that. And it's great to see. I absolutely love it. Um. But we we do need to continue to promote that. Otherwise, these these towns, Charters Towers and West and South, you know, are going to see a real decline in those numbers. You know, it's not all about the competitors anymore. It's it's really about welcoming those They're people showing. in. Yeah, and and bring some pump some money through. Like yeah, let let the pub have a good night before the event, and um, let them let the cafe down the main street serve a thousand coffees in the morning. You know, like let them do it and. Bring that money out of the towns is something I'm very passionate about. I'm I'm the president of the Charters Towers Rodeo Association here, and that's one of our big drivers. Is let's let's get people here and let's keep them here for a couple of days. Let's get them through our feed stores or our rural shops, and let's ha- um, get them filling up their diesel here and that keeping that money here like boost the local economy it's a, it's a big thing for us and there's going to be some big things coming that way to promote that you know going to multiple day yeah. events and and that so people do have to come and camp and stay and night. yeah and all that sort of thing instead of coming and ducking home again so i think it's i think it's brilliant there's so much to be um, enjoyed about a rural community, and if if you're part of the if if that's your lifestyle, great. You know how good it is. But if you're not coming away for a weekend or going to a bush just event or it. oh, just yeah, I, I think they'd be back in a heartbeat. You know.
0: So, mate, we did touch on just before about what's next for you, and you are talking about your business. But looking at the property and stuff like that, you said you're in a bit of bit of the two minds, and it is around that conversation around what's enough. Yeah. But are you you still sound like you're on the fence about what you're gonna do here are you looking is this it or are you looking to to tack on a bit more land and grow grow that or what's your
1: plan Watch this space <laughs> <laughs> um that's good i I seesaw all the time back and forth um do I want to go this direction do I want to go that direction um i've I've always had a passion for aviation and that and I'd love to go and get um a license I'm not particularly because I can't really work it in too much with with my job or my income it doesn't really matter I'd love to do helicopters but i mean um or do my helicopter license but it does it fit in or is it just a very expensive hobby you know so yeah. how does that all work but i that's probably one of my steps so and there's only a certain amount of money coming in. So, I mean, do I want to chase that side of things or am I happy here? I mean, we yeah, we talked about enough. Sometimes I really have trouble seeing that line and um, in the past and even to now it sort of caused me a fair bit of um, head noise and probably a bit of tension up there just because, you know, for example, and as trivial as this is, this block was never fenced. It was one mm. big paddock. Caused me big things. Horses eating cattle food. Cattle eating. Oh, it was just a nightmare. Fencing was on my job list. Anyway, we got it done. And that afternoon, I think I had one beer, looked at the fence, and went right. What's next on the job list? You know, and and that was months in the making. That yeah. project, and, and we I had it all organised, and we hammered it out in two days, and and it's fantastic. It's revolutionised this place. But I didn't stop long enough to go, you know. Th- Yep, tick in the box. Great job, you know, and and th- and be satisfied I'm with that. Do that though. You you absolutely do, and it's something I'm working very hard to sort of take that time to to be satisfied. But my mind goes right, done that beauty. What's the next thing? And and that's that's as um, problematic as it is good. You know, it does keep you motivated onto the next thing, but it also is extremely tiring when you never when you've got a job list as long as your arm and you never never get to cross anything off it. So in terms of uh, moving forward, I've got I've got one one old milking cow here that's turned off uh, two or three sets of calves now. She's got the hardest working teats in the towers. <laughs> um, but I'll keep her going. She's just brilliant old milking cow, so I sort of get a few potties through every now and again. Yeah. And I've got my first lot of wieners over there that are looking really good. So when the market sort of comes up, I'll um, – send those steers away and keep the heifers and start to build a bit of a breeder mob. They're a bit of a mixed bag of everything, actually. So yeah. there's no nice line of anything there. But anyway, we'll work on that. It's
0: all part of the process. I think yeah. like you're definitely something like reflecting on what you're saying you know, you're only young, you're 25, you've done this, you've got a business, like a very a very good business, established business in town, you've bought a 50 acres out here, like, mate, you're going all right. like. You, and and the thing is with that, I think you've got to sometimes reflect back because otherwise you will beat yourself down. Because for someone else, you know, you kind of reflect back and go, well, where was I two years ago? Or yeah. where was I three years ago? And, you know, you've got to sometimes do that or else, or else I, I don't, I'm not saying resting on your laurels, but... Also, at the same time, you just got to soak it in a little bit because you found a pretty good place to call home. Yeah, know? yeah, like it's, it's a schmick little block, and it's, uh, it's something most people would aspire to have. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I love it. Like day to day at work is pretty busy on the phone or talking to clients and that. And here it is, you can hear a pin drop at night, yeah. and I absolutely love it. Like I can't see myself going too far from here in in the near future, and and I'm completely fine with that. Um because I have got it set up it's so simple like it's a one bedroom donger but people say oh are you looking to move a house here or build a house not really i don't spend much time inside so this does me fine you know spend you're time- married and have a kids yet. <laughs> yeah. this, this is this is a good batch pad for a yeah. couple of years but um, <laughs> yeah while there's no kids in the scene i'll I'll stick in my donger i think and and i mean we enjoy we're away that much with full yep. noise i'm here during the week eat sleep go back to work Ride horses outside, you know, and, and down the road. So, and I think that's really what I'd like to do is get home so that it's almost automated. You know, I pump water once a week. That's that's got our waters sorted. Cattle are happy. We take the horses away on the weekend. We get to catch up with friends yep. and maybe go for a day longer and, and stay a day later and and really enjoy being away and living in the trailer and and being on the road. That's sort of probably what I aspire to do now. Do those things work with running a successful business in town probably not <laughs> but th- that leads back to you know making everything S- setting up the systems yeah yeah let let it, let the wheel keep turning if I'm not on the on the handle and and enjoying the full noise I mean if we're not darting to a show and ripping home again to get back to work you do take that extra day well it's quite enjoyable really because mm. it's a great job having a having a 2000 person crowd who cheers every time you say cheer and and claps at the bull riders or the or the steer wrestlers or the ropers or well, there's no better job in the world I reckon so um, Mate, really
0: po- podcast host beats that but it's okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's true yeah um, I did a PBR down south on the weekend and and loved it so maybe that's a new avenue to go yeah. to it's it's not particularly sound orientated it's more just the announcing but. It's pretty nice sometimes to walk into a show, talk and walk yes, straight right. out again, you know. So, yeah, I think there's, there's plenty going on. I'm um, pretty big on keeping learning and, and seeing what I can find out about how other people have done things. You know, I, I don't want to work forever either. I'd sort of like plenty of time to be semi-retired, say, on a bigger place that might keep me busy, But in the the bush, I sort of don't want to be semi-retired in town. But um, that's probably where that bigger block will come in, I think, somewhere there, yeah. So
0: touching on that learning, have you done any schools currently that that have really helped you along the journey of running a business or or just in general that you really enjoyed?
1: I haven't done many schools. I've been to plenty of the free sign-up day sessions um, for business coaching and that sort of thing. I'm very fortunate that I've got a very diverse range of um, mentors and people who, to give me information and advice and that sort of thing. Um, mum and dad obviously have got their respective interests and and experience. Mum's been involved in being self-employed and that sort of thing for quite a while. Yeah. So you know, myob and zero and all that. There was a pretty pretty good push from, from that for those sorts of things with business, I, I just keep my ear to the ground because I think sometimes, don't get me wrong, love schools, love love the environment of a school. You get so much information. Sometimes I get a bit of info overload and... don't Just crash. Yeah, buy afternoon tea on the first day. You're like, whoa, I, I need tw- 24 hours to just process all this and you've still got another full day of it. So I sort of try and keep my ear to the ground with people and I've got a pretty wide network of people that I call regularly and hey this is my thoughts um you know what do you think what what did you do when you were starting out in business and Mm. um going back to the financial blokes episode he he said about the mentors you know keep keep them up to date with what you're doing and actually the, the night that I Listen to that episode I called one of my mentors that I spoke about actually about the shed in town that I've just bought and said to him hey mate I just put an offer on and it got accepted on a shed in town thanks very much for the conversation we had four months ago you know Um, and that was really good I think he enjoyed hearing about it and, and final being at the end of that process too so
0: so do you have many mentors around you
1: yeah yeah got a got a really good network of people. Some older, some younger, some successful self employed, some that have just grounded out work, work, work and stacked it all away and, and did what they get to do after the nine to five. Um yeah, really have a wealth of knowledge that I can call on for for all things. Life. You know, if something gets a bit hectic, you might call one person and then if you've got a if you've got a serious business decision to make you might call someone else and and then i'll take a bit of time to mull that over and um and then make a decision from there i'm i'm pretty i love the mentors because the information's there but i'm huge on making your own decisions you know take the information think about it form formulate your own plan but at the end of the day the decision's yours and if you make it You've got to be happy with the consequences of it and I think it's important to take the time to be um, content with that decision you're going to make.
0: Well, and- well really, that's that's the role of a mentor. A mentor is mentors not supposed to help you make a decision. They're supposed to be a sounding board. No. Someone for you to bounce that idea off and get maybe their perspective if they've been there. But yeah. uh, in the end, they, they just give you the help you gain or give you some of the knowledge that's needed yeah. to make that decision.
1: Absolutely. I, I think... I think they're so important, but also think you know, being acutely aware of the responsibility that yeah. comes with those is is probably a good thing too, especially in business, because yeah, that's that's the bread and butter when it comes back to it. And all livestock, you make a decision, it's the wrong one. Gee whiz, we're in a world of hurt there. So um, yeah, plenty of great mentors, and and always sort of trying to talk to people further along than me or richer than me or smarter than me or more driven than me and try and pick up a bit of them you know iron sharpens iron so um, try and keep keep pushing ahead and and learning from those people that have that have done better than me or doing better than me and try and follow them (laughs) try and chase them down
0: (laughs) what would be your one piece of advice that you'd give to the younger generation coming through whether that is like you know land ownership or whether it's just life in general that you've really taken on board
1: I think one of my biggest things that I always say to myself is hard work always works. I think you keep your nose to the grindstone, you you chisel away, you turn up every day, you do a good job, you go home. Working hard will see you through a lot of things, I think, especially for the younger generation. Now, I'm not going to bag on them too much, but we're seeing a shift in in their mentality about... um, how work operates and you know all that sort of stuff i think if, if you want some, you work hard and, and you either go to work or you work for yourself particularly hard or start that side hustle work your butt off and and the re- results are, are guaranteed to come i think yeah um it's a pretty tough um economical cl- economic climate at the moment and um there's a lot of people going gee I might have overcapitalized in a mortgage or a place or something it's the place we love and we want to live here and we don't want to give it up but we're really struggling financially get a second job go there's plenty of work out there if you're able go and go you know spend say I'll do this for 12 months I'll pour beers at the local pub after work for 12 months get yourself ahead like yeah there's there's no one coming to save you and you need to be resilient in yourself to, to help yourself out of the hole. If you've dug it for yourself, be resilient enough to pull yourself out, I think, is really good. And that comes down to working hard and, and getting ahead, yeah.
0: Yeah, man, that's good. Tate, um, you've been a bloody world of wisdom, mate. Wisdom beyond your <laughs> year, years so far. But, look, thanks for your time today. Um, I know we're sitting out here on your veranda, um, so it's been, it's, been, it's been nice and I appreciate you taking a bit of time and chatting to us. So thank you very much.
1: No, it's great, Sam. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of A Place to Call Home podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment and leave us a review. It's the best way to help the algorithm. And if you got five, please share it with some friends and family. I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, for the quote of the day, i leave you with one from Jim Rohn. And he says, the bigger the why, the easier the how. Have a great day.